Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I want to just brag on you a little bit if I can. Stay with me, Isaac, while I'm bragging. Um, just brag on you. It's really cool because I do get to go around and speak at all of our campuses, and, and you go, man, the same spirit. I feel like I'm at home. I feel like I'm, I, I just, we drove down just another hour to get to church today, but I feel like I'm in Opelousas. I don't know, maybe it's the, Maybe it's the connection. Y'all are the home of Tabasco, and we're the home of Tony Sacheries. Come on. God's in that, right? We like, we, 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 we together. We like Batman and Robin, Cheech and Chong. No, 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 not Cheech and Chong. Not, not them. Can we just join together today? I mean, thank you, Tyler, for bringing up. Man, Youngsville started. Can we just pray for them today? I could just imagine the anxiety Pastor Chris and Michelle are going through right now because it's like, oh my gosh. And can we just pray for them? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Pour out your spirit in Youngsville. We need Youngsville. Father, pour out your spirit in Youngsville. May the anointing of the Lord rest upon Pastor Chris as he delivers the word today that you would anoint him for such a time as this. That, Father, you have a heart for Youngsville, what you want to do in Youngsville. You wanted your church to be established in Youngsville. So, Father, we pray as this opening day that you are watermarked with your presence. Father, that they would feel the joy of the Lord in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're going to do. We rejoice with them today, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise for that. And then we remember Pastor Don today. Pastor Don is ministering today in our Broussard campus today. So we all kind of rotate a little bit and uh, sharing the good news. And thank you, New Iberia team, staff. I I don't know if y'all realized it, but y'all have really pioneered a real fundamental change in the way we, not the message, but the method in which we've been doing next steps. And it's been Pastor Don, Pastor Sean, Chris, and the whole team putting their hands to that. So y'all are actually impacting all of the churches because we're following your lead, New Iberia. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, give yourselves a hand. We appreciate you guys. And uh, so I'm going to just jump into today's message and Uh, It's so good to see Miss Kathy up here on the front row. That's Sean's mama, which I've known Sean's mama for 20, 20, yeah, Broussard campus days. So good to see you. You came here just because I was here today? (laughs) See the power I have on people? Uh, And I want to introduce my lovely wife, Heidi. We've been married 34 years. She's a pretty girl right here. And my daughter, Hillary, is right here. This is my oldest daughter, Hillary. And she serves in our finance office. And then my middle daughter, middle child, second daughter, Hannah. We sent her her here from Opelousas. And and I don't know who y'all going to send us. No, 
So anyway, I, I want to just jump right into the message today. And I, I, one of my favorite things to talk about, it's just one of my favorite things to talk about on behalf of the Lord, is uh, this thing called grace. Can you just say grace? I just, I even just love the sound of grace. And, uh, you know, we've, we've tried to define grace, but, and, and I'll give you some of the definitions that we've thrown out to the body, because you, you, tr- you try to define it. We've said things like this, grace, G-R-A-C-E, stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a, that's a, that's a decent definition. Or you might have heard it said like this, mercy is not receiving what we do deserve, and grace is receiving what we don't deserve. Grace. Grace is what I want when my guilt is exposed. I love to receive grace. It's so refreshing, but yet it's so tough to give. To say someone deserves grace is really a contradiction in terms because it's called grace. Grace is undeserved, unmerited, so to say that someone deserves grace is like saying, uh, it's like someone trying to plan their own surprise birthday party. Some of you will get that later. So I want to I just jump into, and, and I wanna, in fact, I want to take you to the book of John, the New Testament. Let's look at the life of Jesus real quick, and then I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament. In the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14, this is what it says about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. That the Word, Jesus, became flesh... And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Who is full of. Yeah, okay, I forgot to tell you. In Appaloosas, I trained the campus. Like when it's in yellow. That they say it out loud with me. So we're going to try it one more time. (laughs) Who came from the father. Full of grace. Oh, you guys are so good. Full of grace and truth. And I love the way I think the Bible does it on purpose, doesn't put truth and grace. Have you ever met someone that had really good truth, but they had no grace? And then have you ever met someone who had all grace, but no truth? Heidi and I have a little joke. It's a joke, but we we say this in our household. Heidi's the Old Testament, and I'm the New Testament. She's the law, truth. And I'm all grace. How many of you know all grace with no truth is no good? But how many of you know truth with no grace is not any good either? And so he, Jesus is full of both grace and truth. And so because grace, it, it, it's, it's much easier to describe than it is to define. I want to look at an Old Testament story because I want you to see if you can see grace in it. This unmerited favor, undeserved, this God of grace that's full of grace. And I want you to see if you can see it, because you'll find it all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. You'll see grace appear. So I want to take you to this very famous Old Testament story that you probably haven't heard a sermon on and since your Sunday school days. How many of you remember Sunday school? Raise your hand. Okay, that's all the old people in the room right there. All right, here we go. So if you were inside, you might remember this, Jonah and the the whale, that story. Most skeptics do not believe 
that that is even possible, that there would be a man, for, for those who don't know the story, Jonah is actually going to spend three days in the belly of a whale. And he's, he's, and skeptics believe that's impossible, that it can't happen. But we do know that Jesus actually references it in the New Testament when he talked about his crucifixion and how he would be three days in a, in a tomb. So how many of you know if Jesus referenced it in the New Testament, if there is a controversy over the Old Testament story, I'm going to go with Jesus. How about that? So let's just go with Jesus. Jesus referenced it. So I believe it actually happened that there was a man named Jonah who got swallowed up by a whale, spent three days in the belly of a whale. And let's, so let me give you a little bit of historical context before we jump into that story. Jonah lived near Nazareth in 8th century BC. Israel, the Jews, were at an unusual time of peace. Because if you've ever read the Old Testament, they're always doing good. Then they get, God blesses them. And then once they get blessed and they start acquiring things, then they forget God. And then, every, then the cycle continues down. They forget God and then they lose everything. Enemy attacks. Have, it's this continuous cycle. They turn their heart back to God. Then God begins to bless again. Then they, get, they start acquiring stuff. And then they forget about God. And then the God comes in and starts removing his hand. Then they get attacked by Do you all see that cycle? Yeah, I don't know. if You, you may want to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because that, that cycle happens to us too. You didn't have anything, you got, a, you got prayed to God, God began to bless you, you were going to church, started blessing your work, the work of your hands, your business, then you bought a camp. Bad pastor. So, that's what's happening, and, and so the Israel's in this incredible time of peace. The two main enemies of Israel at this time were the Arameans and the Assyrians. They had taken turns attacking Israel, but for some reason, there's been this prolonged period of about 40 years of peace, and God is going to speak to Jonah. I'm going to take you to, and show you exactly what he says to him in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to, jo to Jonah. Get up. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. That is the capital city of the Assyrians, arch enemy. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh. I want you to announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, and he bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So you, you, you're picking up what he, what's happening here. God gives him more. Get up and go. I want you to go to Nineveh. Instead, he says he buys a, a one-way ticket to the city of Tarshish as far. Just so you understand, the city of Nineveh was 500 miles to the northeast, and the city of Tarshish was 2,300 miles to the southwest. Completely the opposite direction. He couldn't find a place further 
from where God wanted him to be. So Jonah wasn't content in simply saying no to God. He went in the opposite direction. I'm going to call that running. Any of you ever run from God? Come on, you're in church. Raise your hand if you've ever run from God. The rest of you are lying. And you're going to go straight to... No, he does. He's, in fact, he's, got, he's, he's running. He runs. He, in fact, he takes one of the most dangerous forms in, in ancient times. One of the most dangerous forms of travel is by sea and in one of the most dangerous set of waters anywhere in the world. But that's what people do when they run from God. That's what we do when we run from God. They, we run to the most strangest, most dangerous places and we hang out with some of the most dangerous people. Have you ever noticed every step away that you run away from God, there will always be somebody there to agree with you? You ever notice that? And so that's what's going to happen. One day, Heidi and I, back this is years ago, back in the early days of our Savior's church, we, were, uh, we took the family to go eat. Back when our kids were small, they were in children's church. The, my two daughters were in children's church back in the day. And we went to a restaurant in Lafayette, and we walked into the restaurant. And we, as we got there, the, the hostess was going to sit us, and uh, I, said, I said to the family, hey, I'm going to run to the boys' room real quick. And to go to the boys, they went to the left, the boys' room was off to the right, you had to walk through the bar to get to the restroom. And I'm walking, into the, walking through the bar, and as I'm walking through the bar, I look at the bar, and there's a, a bar up there, and people are sitting at the bar, and I thought I saw one of our interns at the church who works in children's church sitting at the bar. I thought that, how many of you think that was beyond? And so I go and take care of business. And on my way back, I said, I'm just going to make sure that's him. That couldn't be him. And I walk out. And there are one of our children's church young interns sitting at the bar with a glass that had brown contents in it. I don't think it was sweet tea. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette. There happened to be a bar stool right next to him. So I just went and pulled up and sat right beside him. He, did, he never looked, and, and the bartender, what can you have, sir? And I said, I think I'll have whatever he's having. He knew my voice, and he turned. I don't think you want what I'm having. And I just simply said, what are you doing here? Isn't it crazy when we're running from something? We'll run to the most dangerous places and set with some of the most dangerous people. And here's Jonah running from God. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. Now, I, I, I kind of give Jonah a little bit of a pass when you, when you think about this. This is the arch enemies of, of, of the Jewish people. Assyrians made cruelty an art. They would capture their enemies and then skin them alive and then take the skins of human flesh and put it upon stakes around their encampments so that everyone would fear them. From Jonah's point of view, they weren't worth saving. The last thing he wanted to do was go be on God's missionary 
to be God's missionary of grace to the Assyrian people. They didn't deserve grace. They deserved judgment. Oh, grace. Amazing grace. So he runs. But he's about to learn a very valuable lesson, and I hope you can, we can learn it from Jonah today. You can run from God, but you'll never outrun God. You can run from him. How many of you remember those days where you woke up in the morning from what you did last night that you don't really remember and walked outside to make sure your car didn't have any scrapes on it? Oh, I'm talking to somebody here. Okay, thank you. All right, now we got some honest people. So Jonah gets on this boat, sailing to Tarshish. Tremendous storm comes. We, we kind of know it's coming upon them. They, the sailors start throwing cargo over the board, overward, and just going, man, we, we got we to gotta do something to this boat. Well, we're not going to survive this storm. And then the sailors begin to cast lots, which... But we don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us. You heard that, you'll hear that term throughout the Bible, the casting of lots. We don't really know, is that dice? Is that sticks? We don't, we don't really know. Uh, it would be the, our way of going, well, let's flip a coin. It, so they're, they're casting lots to see which person has brought this calamity and this judgment upon them. And we pick up that story in Jonah 1, beginning at verse 8. Why has this awful storm Come upon us, they demanded. And they speak to Jonah. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? And what is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. At least he's now being honest. And he said, the sailors were terrified when they heard this. For he had already told them that he was running from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Everybody say storms. Yeah, I believe there are some storms that we're all going to walk through. But how many you know there are some storms that you do bring upon yourself? And so you got to ask the Lord, is this, Lord, did I bring this upon myself? Or, or is this something I just got to walk through that you've allowed to happen in my life? Listen, there's always a reason for the storm in all of our life. There's always that silver lining in the cloud that God's trying to teach us and show us something. And so we see him walking through this. It's all my fault. Verse 13. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him. For your own good reasons. Isn't it crazy? Even, even when you can't be the example that we should be as Christians, we could still be the example through repentance, 
even as Jonah is owning up to this is because of him. So mamas and daddies, even when you're raising your children and you bring them into the house of the Lord, it's, it's as important to them when you're not the right example, you ought to be, lead the example in repentance. And when you lead the example in repentance, you're still being a good example. Get it? Get an amen. I, I, we have a, 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 a physician in our church in Opelousas, and he's been saved now, got saved at our church, he and his wife. And uh, he's an incredible surgeon, and uh, he, he was notorious before Jesus uh, having a very hot temper. In fact, in surgery, if things wouldn't go right, and I know this because there were some Christian nurses that attended our church that were in there, he would, if things weren't going well, it wasn't uncommon for him to throw instruments and just Beep, you know, explicit, explicit, yeah, he'd cuss. I forgot, I'm in New Iberia, I can keep it real. He'd just rip a new one. And then he and his bride start coming to church, he gets born again and saved. Well, the nurse's reports are going, he's like a changed man, something's happened to him. And then months go by, and then... He's in, surgery didn't go good, and then he throws his stuff, rips a new one, curses out loud, curses at everybody, and storms out of the the room. And everybody's just standing there in surgery. And he said about three minutes later, he comes walking back in and just said, I just want to say to everybody, please forgive me for doing what I've done. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. I don't want to act that way. That's the old me. Would everybody please forgive me? Look, even when you can't do it right, you can always come back and make it right. That's what men and women of God do. So now you've got the sailors who are now looking to Jonah's God because at least he owned it. And because he owned it, now they're talking to the God of Jonah. Would you not hold us responsible for his death? And so, verse number 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up, threw him into the Regency, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Woo. I wonder what happened in the belly of that fish. I think I know what happened. I think I know as soon as Jonah got up, and Jonah was three days. I wonder how long it took Jonah to finally repent. Do you think it took him three days? I don't think it took him three days. I think he repented for three days. I think the moment he got swallowed, he's like, oh, God, please forgive me. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do whatever. How many have ever made promises to God when you were in a deep spot? Oh, come on. Remember that time you was hugging the porcelain potty, <laughs> vomiting your guts out from Friday night? You promised God you'd never do it again. Blah. <laughs> Till Wednesday. <laughs> You're like, I'm feeling better. What are we doing Friday? No, he, he was bargaining with God. I know he was. I mean, he probably promised everything. And, and I know this, and you know this too, because my father, when I was growing up, my father believed in spanking. I, I knew when I was in trouble. You knew it. Oh, boy, I could bargain. 
with dad, with my father. Because he'd go, get to your room, son. I knew what that meant. I could hear it. You know, you know that, remember that sound? That, tick, 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 that, that when they pulled that belt off and it hit every loop and it'd go tick, 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 tick. Even to this day, when I pull my own belt off, I, I splinch. I got PTSD, bro. Oh, and I was a runner. I don't blame my father for using the belt on places other. I think he meant to only hit me on the backside. But let me tell you, I was jumping, screaming, running, and he was trying his best. I was a moving target. So if I got hit anywhere else, I do not even blame him. I grace him in Jesus' name. But let me tell you, I could bargain. I would say, Daddy, Daddy, please, please. I would beg. I would get on my knees. I'd ask him. I'll do anything you want me to do. I may or may not have sacrificed a small animal. But I was, how many, have you ever bargained? Oh, I can tell you what Jonah was doing in the belly of that whale. He was bargaining. Oh, God, if you ever get me out of this one, I promise you, I promise you, I'd, I don't think it took Jonah three days to change his mind. I think it took Jonah three days to learn his lesson. God is very thorough in his discipline. It doesn't end until you get it. Well, in fact, Jonah chapter 2 verse 2 says this. You can hear this cry. And he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. And the Lord, you heard me. Perhaps it was then that Jonah realized that the purpose of God's discipline, listen closely, the purpose of God's discipline is not to pay you back. The purpose of God's discipline is to get you back. Yeah, he's, he's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring you back. It's the beauty of the discipline. Listen, any of us, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up before, even after serving Jesus. It, it's not like you've got to start all over at the beginning. What God does is he takes you right where you left off, and he puts you right back to where you were on this journey. It's called the grace of God. Do you deserve that? No, none of us do. But he, when we with repentance, he takes us right back to where we should have been. And this is what exactly is going to take happen in Jonah's life. I, don't think he repent, I do think he repented for three days. I don't think it took him three days to repent. But to run from God is to run from grace. Jonah gets spit out of that well after three days. I think I know exactly he gets spit out on the beach to Nineveh. He doesn't know where he gets spit out at. He just gets out <laughs> where he was supposed to be all along. Nineveh was a large city, 120,000 people. That was a large city in antiquity. Jonah was obeying God, but still believed that the people of this wicked city did not, they deserved judgment and not grace. And it took Jonah three days to go through to preach to the city of Nineveh. And I've got his message right here. I want to give you from beginning to end. Here is the sermon that Jonah preached to Nineveh. Ready? And he shouted, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. 
Everybody bow their head and close their eyes. Isaac, you can come to the keyboard. Over and over again. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Forty days from now. And I believe that he shared it with the same enthusiasm that you have when you go to the optometrist and he says, read the third line. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Guess what happened? The people of Nineveh believed him. And they began to repent for their sin. Even the king declared that he and all the people would give up their evil ways. This would be a great end to this story, wouldn't it? God was right. Jonah was wrong. The prophet obeyed. The city repents. Mission accomplished. God relents. And there's no destruction. Can we give God all the praise? Oh, it's awesome, right? That's not how the story ends. Isaac, seriously, Isaac, would you help me? <laughs> Not the faux Isaac. That was the fake ending. I, it's going to take me a minute. Watch this. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans. Upset him. And he became angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And you are eager to turn back from destroying He's ticked. You're not giving them what they deserve. I knew he's going to do this. I knew he was going to forgive them. And I knew he's going to withhold his destruction upon them and give them mercy. Jonah wanted justice, but God wanted mercy. Jonah wanted judgment instead God opted opted for grace yeah sometimes we can get the uh, theology right when it comes to grace on one side but if you flip the coin we don't have it right on the other side we like to receive grace we're just not always that good at giving it. Jonah's not by himself in this. So before we get too hard on Jonah, maybe let's take a, just a quick inventory of our own hearts. Because that's why we're here, right? Not to judge Jonah but really for the loud the word to judge us. When you go, 
who are the people that you have a hard time extending grace to? Whose calamity do you secretly celebrate? You would never say it out loud. Oh, that's too bad. But on the inside, you're going, yeah, they got what they deserved. Look at me. You don't want what you deserve. I don't want what I do deserve. Who do you secretly wish they would get what they got coming to them? Rich people, poor people, white people, black people, skinny people, Muslims, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. Who do you wish? But let's, let's narrow it down a bit because that's still kind of up there, right? What about your sister-in-law? What about your brother-in-law who left your sister, who left your nieces and nephews without a father? What about your ex, ex-boss, ex-wife, ex-girlfriend, ex? What about them? Oh, Pastor, you, I don't want to talk about them. Ex-partner, that's different, that's personal. Those are all the people who need grace. And someday, God may assign you to the task of extending it in their direction to give them grace. It's two sides. I want to receive grace. In order to receive grace, I've also got to be willing to extend grace. Isn't it crazy that we would be, God would consider us, the church, to be the very conduit of which he wants us to extend the grace of God to people? Rahab, a harlot, a New Testament woman caught in adultery, that you would go, Jesus would extend them grace. His reputation was to be a friend of sinners. Grace. So let me, let me help you just a little bit, because in order to give it, you got to receive it. Let's just talk about number one real quick, if I could do that. You, you just got to receive God's grace. Can I just tell you something? He's not mad at you, that he loves you, and he's for you, and he came for you. And if you're here today and you've been born again, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. It's not even you. He sees the righteousness of Christ. The great exchange has happened in the balcony. You've given him your sin, and he's given you his righteousness. He sees you as he sees Jesus right now, right now in this very place that I'm right with God and I'm holy, not because of anything I've done, because of what he's done. I don't deserve it. I can't deserve it. I can't earn it. I can't make it better, and I can't make it worse. It's just God gave it to me, and we ought to just receive that. Do you receive that in Jesus' name, that he loves you? In fact, I... That's why they call it grace, because you don't deserve it. You can't earn it. It's called grace. Thank you. We ought to just thank him for the incredible, amazing grace. While we were yet sinners, he forgave me for yesterday. Everybody say yesterday. It's gone. It's into the sea of forgetfulness. And then I have grace for today in case I mess it up at all. I have grace and then not only did he do that, but then he put grace on loan for me for my future in case I ever slip, stumble, or fall, that we just call it grace. Thank you, God, for the grace of God. 
that he would even look at a people called the Ninevites who were famous for their torture. And because of their repentance, he was willing to have grace upon them. Thank you for our grace. So you got to receive the grace of God. Thank you for amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then if you've received it, you got to extend it. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know what they, I tell, I, I tell Opelousas all the time. I've heard some really sad stories and you go, yeah, but you don't know what happened to me. I know. I, 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 and then I've heard some of those stories. And I go, yeah, but there's always someone that's got a story worse than you, right? But you think your story is the worst story, right? You, you really do. You go, my story's the worst. I got stuff happened to me. And, and it's true. It's pain. Get it. But we've all walked through pain. We've all walked through it. What do you mean by grace, Pastor? You, you're talking about letting them go? Yeah, I am. Let them go. Off the hook? That's hard. I know. I know. It is hard. Let them go. Just let them go scot-free. Scot-free. Let them go. Let them go. Because if you can't extend it, it means you might not have received it. But if you've received it, you'd be more willing to give it. Freely you receive. Freely you must give grace. If you don't, it's like you're drinking poison expecting them to die. That's what bitterness does to you. If you don't learn that we should dispense grace. Oh, I've got some horrible stories. I've sat with a, a lady years and years ago. A lady came to my office and shared her husband's story that he had an affair and I said, oh, it's hard. She goes, it is. It's just terrible. You don't believe. And she'd cry, tear-filled story. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I knew her husband. That, that wasn't the husband that I see. I see the husband who's in church and serving and on the prayer team. I see that husband showing up to every, every Bible study every week. So I asked the wife, I said, how long ago did this happen? And she said, 10 years ago. 10 years? That's not what I've seen. I know he, he, he's, he's growing with God, and I'm not. And I'm just, I've had 10 years, and I'm, you don't realize the pain I'm in. And I said, you're in a prison, aren't you? She goes, yes, I'm in a prison. Finally, someone understands. It's like I'm in a prison. I said, do you want to get out of the prison? I do, I do, I do. So well, I know where the key is. You do? What's the key? Where's the key? I want to get out. I said, it's in your pocket. And it's always been in your pocket. It's called grace. You got to take it out of your pocket. And you can unlock that prison and walk right out of it. When you got to grace him, you got to give him what he doesn't deserve forgiveness, but it's called grace. Freely I receive it, and freely I must give it. 
So who's your Ninevite? Who's your Assyrian that you need to extend grace? No, no, I'm not asking you to restore a relationship with somebody. Somebody may have really, truly hurt you. But Pastor Eugene, I'm waiting for them to come back and tell me they're sorry. <laughs> You're going to be waiting for a long time. You're going to be staying in prison for a long time. Your daddy. Why don't you just let them go? It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. Freely you have received grace and now you must freely give it and if you do we might see God's hand work in their life because you've forgiven them I know Heidi wouldn't mind me share she shared publicly can I share that too late we haven't spoke to Heidi's mom and dad for 20 plus years We graced them 15 years ago. And there's going to be a day. I know it's coming. We'll be able to sit in a room and work it all out. No, no, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. And there'll be that day. They'll probably go, would y'all please forgive us? We forgave you. 15 years ago. Are you kidding me? Freely we received it. So now freely we must give it. And I know God will work that out in his own time. I don't want you to walk out of here today going, sick him, Jesus. I want you walking out of here going, save them, Lord. I want them to be in heaven. Save them, Lord. Who's that Ninevite that you need to extend grace in your own heart? They've already, they've already had too much topos in your mind already. Just go, Lord, I, I release them. I let them go. I grace them in the name of Jesus. Do y'all receive this word today? Thank you for your amazing grace, God. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for this. And then you get, you get Jesus in the New Testament. He is the embodiment of it. Where's those who condemn you, woman? They're not here anymore. They drop their stones. Neither do I. Leave your life of sin. You see them this grace of God that any of us would even be standing here today because of his incredible grace. Thank you. It really is. I got to say, I think it's the national anthem of heaven. When they go, let's all stand and sing the national anthem. We get there. They'll probably start playing. Amazing grace. You know, they'll probably start playing. Well, I'll just go, how sweet. There we go. Well, that's what we did when we were down here. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Thank you for your grace. So maybe today I want to just pray with you. I want you to just put that, put your Ninevite in your mind. 
So Lord, today we come to you and we thank you for your incredible grace towards us. You have been so kind and compassionate and merciful. You have not given us what we do deserve and you've given us more than we ever would. And so we thank you for your grace and we receive it. Would you just tell it, Lord, I receive your grace. Thank you for making up the difference. Thank you for making up the difference that I could not make. You did it on a cross. You paid the price for it. Thank you, Father. And now, Lord, I release them. Won't you just whisper their name under your breath? I, re I release my father. I release my mother. I release my brother. I release my, I release them. I release them. I grace them in the name of Jesus. I let them go today. I, I, I leave them in your hands. I release them today. I pray, Father, that today that the revelation of grace, Father, that we could extend to others, not just sets them free, but it sets us free. Thank you, Father. We receive your word today. Thank you. We receive it. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you need to receive the grace of God. You're far from the Lord. You've been running. You're like a Jonah. You've been running for a long time. And maybe today it was even God ordained that you'd be sitting hearing this message. And that today you could surrender your life to him. You say, throw me off the boat. Throw me off. And you can be placed back in the very center of God's will today. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He went and died on a cross for you. While you were still sinning, he died for you. And today you could stop running and surrender. Surrender your life to him. The Bible calls it being born again. You could surrender your life to Jesus. And it means just to make him the boss of it, the Lord of your life, and that you'll follow him. Surrender and follow. Today, if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus, to follow him, to be born again, I want to pray with you right now. No one's looking at me. Christians, would you pray? If you're here today, would you just slip your hand up high and say, Pastor Eugene, I'm ready today. I want to be born again. Would you lift your hand up right now? Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Hold it up. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's your day. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, my friend. I see your hand. I see your hand. Congregation, can we pray this prayer together? This is not a magical prayer. It's just a cry of a heart. Can we just add our faith to theirs as you pray this with all of your heart? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin to be born again. Let's declare this together. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God all the praise?